Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Incense and Sensibility by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. This week, we'll be diving into chapters four through six of Incense and Sensibility. But before we do that, we're going to dive into some of the things that we've currently been watching and we currently saw in person. It's great. We actually are just exactly on the same wavelength for this one. A show that everyone must watch is Starstruck on HBO Max. And previously, I don't remember how long ago, we definitely linked just a five-minute stand-up bit by this very talented New Zealand comedian named Rose Matafeo. She's just hilarious. And it's basically a gender swapped Notting Hill Mm. where she's just some nobody living in London and she has a one night stand with a movie star, like a really good looking movie star. You know, she thinks that's it, but their paths kind of keep crossing. It's very much so like, will they, won't they? To a frustrating degree (laughs) of like, will they, won't they? And I'm like, just will, will they? It'll happen. It'll happen. Um, If you've seen her stand up, it's very much so the same humor. She's great. She wrote and she co wrote all the episodes. You just have like this great cast of characters with her friends and him and like his world too. She brings him to her apartment and her roommate pretends to not know who he is. (laughs) He's obviously like a big movie star. So she's like, oh, is it Tom? Tom? It would be like if you brought Chris Evans over. Yeah, like, like no way. Chris, Chris is was it? Chris is prefer. Do you prefer one? I also so. really love Minnie Driver plays his yeah. agent. <laughs> She's just—it's a role I never would have even thought to put into the show. But like in episode two, she's like having lunch with him, just sort of telling him like, "Don't date civilians, only date other actors." <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Look what happened to Reese Witherspoon's husband. He died." He's like, <laughs> he's "No, like, he didn't." Like it's just so funny because that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. even if he were an actor can still die. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very funny show. Go check it out. The other thing that we want to bring to you guys is that at this point, it'll been a couple of weeks and we saw John Mulaney live. Don't know if you guys have been following the news. We're assuming you have because this is a Jane Austen, John Mulaney stand <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he was doing the show in New York, the, the From Scratch tour. And literally the first show, the first time the Troubadour opened in over a year, we saw. It was a really great show. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty surreal. We're seeing him and we are like within 10 feet or 12 feet of him. He almost stepped on Yolanda's (laughs) hand. That is not true. It's not, but like I told her she should tell people that because what I will say is if you don't know, the Troubadour is like a very famous theater in West Hollywood, like right next to Beverly Hills. Yolanda's chair was right next to the stage and he came from a little bungalow at the top and then down these little covered stairs, like a covered bridge onto the stage right next to us. Because we were in that front section where lights were on us, he could make direct eye contact with us. And he was like with between like the other section and us and I'm sure the people in the front, like I felt like we were 
seeing him a lot. The thing is, when we saw him at the bootleg theater a few years ago, we were also front row. So one of my thoughts was, is he going to recognize us? Because we are sitting totally. in the same position totally. in front of him. So maybe he remembered us. I mean, it was definitely a conversation we had. I agree. I like to think that he was like, oh, it's those girls who were at the bootleg theater like three, three years ago. <laughs> Anyway, transitioning from John Mulaney news to Jane Austen news, there are more modern Pride and Prejudice adaptations coming to life. Yeah, so this is called The Netherfield Girls. It is described as in the vein of Easy A and 10 Things I Hate About You. Great it movies. Is, yeah. Great films. Great films. <laughs> <laughs> Being written and directed by Becca Gleason and it's going to be starring Maitreyi Ramakrishnan from Never Have I Ever. Sounds really cool. I'm excited about it. I feel like that it's going to be like a really fun rom-com-y but like in the teen world kind of thing. So very Clueless-esque too. So I think those are really great comps. I've enjoyed both of those films so it's gonna be really fun to see this i'm excited because i mean you and i are just huge fans of never have i ever yeah and my tri we also love easy a and 10 things i hate about you really very excited to see how this film turns out we will try and use our fangirl powers to get invited to as many things (laughs) or surrounding this as possible i will say becca gleason does follow us on instagram it's one of the Throw that out Throw there. Throw that out there. You know, we're always here. We're always available to mm-hmm. um, literally be always available. <laughs> <laughs> we're we never not drop free. <laughs> everything to be involved. If it's a cameo, if it's we have said on this podcast many times, we were so sad that we weren't able to make it to the set of Mister Malcolm's List. The set we were definitely set, invited to. Definitely invited to. People definitely were like, when are How they going to be How do we get them out here? here? Is, can we get them out here? Is that a, can, we, can that happen? That was definitely a conversation that happened. Oh, yeah. It was like a whole back and forth. <laughs> but um, but we were like, no, for the safety of the set. We really just wanted to think of other people. Yeah. And yeah, our yeah. passports were expired. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't know about us. And we have no involvement in the yeah. development of this film. We're just the cheerleaders, but you know what? We're happy to be that for Netherfield. Yeah, like, we're, we're here to cheer on every Jane Austen adaptation, especially this diverse adaptation. So yes. I'm really excited. I think it's pretty good time to jump into chapter four of Incense and Sensibility. Yeah. So previously, we covered chapters one through three, where we met California Governor candidate Yash Rajay, and he went through a dramatic event where a shooter targets him at his campaign rally. While in recovery, he discovers his bodyguard is in critical condition. Meanwhile, India Dashwood is living her life as a yoga therapist and in between corporate retreats, she sees the breaking news about Yash. Could this be someone from her past? Spoiler, it is. Super is. Well, he's also the brother, like, you know, she's best friends with Ashna and Trisha and like all the Rajay girls and like, so she knows who he is. And it's crazy that she is so close to the Rajay family yet hasn't really seen him in person, just seen him on the TV, like the juggernaut that he is. Yeah. Ten, like 10 years is a long time it to is. like not see your best friend's brother who like lives, or and I guess we don't know if he lives with them. But I mean, but. I guess it, it is weird to think like someone you knew 10 years ago who, you know, there was something that happened and now you just see them on TV all the time and they're a big deal and there's all this like popularity around him. You're like, 
All right. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. I mean, like, I would be very upset if I were her. Don't really... We don't know yet what their past connection is. I'm guessing yeah. it's romantic. And if I had to see a romantic partner doing so well <laughs> after he was such a dick to me, I would go into You'd crazy. you just vote for someone else. I'd vote for anyone else. Are you kidding me? If I were a petty person, I would start <laughs> Yes, but we're not we're rooting for him we are and so we're with india right now and essentially like we said last time her mom has been having upper back pain has not been going to the doctor she decides to cancel the rest of her retreat to come back and basically force her to go to the doctor we get some backstory about this yoga studio it was like her great grandmother who had started it for them yoga isn't just like this trendy thing there's a deep connection to it and it's a very spiritual connection it seems like with breathing exercises and meditation is very much so part of india's routine of how she centers herself how she finds calm she's much more in tune with her emotions and spirituality and so is like her mom so her mom isn't like thrilled about going to the hospital and western medicine she likes to more focus on like natural remedies but it is a more serious issue that she's going through. There's a funny moment in the book where she says like she rolls her eyes when her mom says things like western remedies because she's from California. (laughs) (laughs) We also meet another vital character in the book. Their little pug named Chutney. Yeah. And, uh, who is just like so important to this whole operation. I know. I feel like she will be a big part of this story, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. she's going to, I don't want to say she's going to like carry the whole book, but like <laughs> she's a, a bright shining light in these dark times. Yeah. So um, they get a call from the doctor. The doctor wants to tell them the results in person, which is never a good thing. <laughs> I would just have a panic attack if the doctor said, hey, I got your results come in person I'd be like I'm dead I'm dead tomorrow (laughs) I just am and so we do learn a little bit more about it basically he asks if she's ever been to a third world country and she's offended by that she's like well you know I lived in India for 10 years okay but have you ever had a blood transfusion there and she was like well yeah I was in an accident and I did have to have one she's very light about it she's like yeah I just it was a silly cow that yeah. knocked over my... Um, she's like has fond memories. She's like, oh yeah, and then I, I guess I got injured. I and woke <laughs> up and I, I guess there was a blood transfusion. Yeah. And he was like, well, you have hepatitis C. And it's treatable. So some things I'm seeing coming together is mom's going to be spending some time in the hospital and Yash is going to be spending some time in the hospital. Even yeah. though he might be getting out soon, I think he likes to visit his friend Abdul. Both China and India are like very upset at themselves for not really noticing enough because their mom has lost like 20 or 30 pounds yeah. and she was already very skinny. Their mom thinks that rubbing eucalyptus oil on it is going to make things better. India is like the oldest, most responsible sister. So she's like, I'm shouldering this. They're all trying to work through it together. And I think that's the main thing. They just need to be there for each other. Yeah. And so the chapter kind of ends there with them reeling over this news that their mom has hepatitis C and and there's just going to be, you know, more stuff to do moving forward. And the thing is like, they were trying to push like, but the cost, like, what are we, ballpark, what are we looking at? And I think that's the main thing too, is like, great, it's treatable, like she'll be okay, but what is this going to look like financially too? So I think that's the stressful unknown point right now. On top of the debt that they've accrued, I mean, she was doing these like international yoga things to pay for the studio because they had to renovate it because it was such an old building. A couple of things are coming to a head here. And I think it's a good time to jump into chapter five. Where we're seeing the world from Yesha's point of view. I guess we should note that each chapter does 
switch perspectives between Yash and India. Yes. And so we were with India and now we are with Yash, who basically is attending a public event five days after he was shot. He's not doing well. No. Yash is not okay. It's really ridiculous because like his reasoning we find out later is like, well, this agenda was set like months in advance. Like these rallies were booked and they were ready and I don't know. It just feels like maybe his team, which is his family, (laughs) didn't really fully check in on him. Like, are you okay to move forward? And maybe he just said yes to say yes, but he's not ready. So the rally has become more of a vigil against hate crimes and gun violence. Yash is like, okay, but no one died. But they're like, no, no, but it's a greater purpose. (laughs) You need to calm down. And he just has this moment where he gets overwhelmed and he starts having a panic attack. And they're like, okay, he can't go on. Nisha's like, turns out Abdul isn't doing great. It's weird because she's like, oh, great. This will be the reason we give when we need to cancel the rally. That's also awful to think of it in that way. Yeah. To be like, oh, we have a legit reason why we need to leave. Not just Yash isn't doing well. He's having no. a panic attack. I mean, we've got like a short and a long-term problem here because Yash loves going on stage. He calls like that's the zone to him. He loves being in the zone. He loves it when everyone's in the zone. He loves hyping people up. He loves talking to crowds. It's his happy place. And now it terrifies him. And so it's like, if he can't go out for this one vigil, he can't do his speeches. He can't do his debates. He can't do anything like that. And that's the whole, like, we still have, he's ahead in the polls, but we have three months to go. It's equal parts so far away and so close. They don't want to lose the momentum that they have. And this is killing it. He can't go out here. But what about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? Like. And and it really becomes this whole discussion. It's so interesting. So HRH, His Royal Highness Sri Hari Raje, who is the head of the family, I feel like is a figure we've really only heard about. We really haven't seen him all that much. He wasn't, he was mentioned, but not really seen in the last book because it was Ashna's story. He's her uncle. And he just kind of like asserts like, no, like Yash doesn't have panic attacks. This is yeah. not him. This is not us. It's a whole thing. This clearly isn't Dr. Shri. This this is my father, Sri, talking yeah. right now. From a cultural standpoint, I think a lot of mental health is very taboo and they don't want to talk about it. And why you don't have panic attacks, you don't have anxiety or whatever. Mm-mm. You power through that. Like that, yeah. that's not something that happens to us. And so Sri is very much in denial that Yasha is going through anything or that yeah. he needs any help. Yeah. Even the fact that they bring up like what would be good is Yasha see a therapist and work through this trauma. And Sri just shuts that down. He's like, no. No, 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 no. No one can know. Okay, so he can go to therapy, but they can't know he has panic attacks. And it's like, that's kind of the main thing he needs to work through right now. (laughs) Well, I think the tricky part is, you know, he is a physician. And so he knows a lot of doctors, but he doesn't know. He doesn't have like a psychiatrist that he approves of, that he trusts. They don't trust this news to not get out, which is like very much the family and the campaign's concern of, we don't want the news of him dealing with panic attacks to get out and impact his race and cause him to lose. But actually... Yash is like, I'll go to a therapist. I'll actually tell the public that I'm doing this and that I'm working through it. And he's like, just let me be open, like whatever. But the family just wants to keep it a secret, which I mean, we even saw with Ashna and her side of the family, like when they're going through something, they hide it. They bottle it up. It's not in the public at all, even from family. This is very much so something they are trying to protect from the public. When I think back to Ashna's story, I mean, her father was like an alcoholic. They didn't even want anyone past Mina 
to like Mina knew like her her aunt but like no one else talked about it no one else tried to stop it and he's not a fraction as high profile as Yasha is now right. and like they didn't want that to get out it's a very big thing Ashna saves the day because she was like actually like as we remember from Recipe for Persuasion her main conflict was that she couldn't cook any food that was not on her father's menu and she was having panic attacks and so her good friend India is not only a yoga instructor but she's like world renowned for her stress management and yeah. she helped Ashna through like that she's like even a psychiatrist didn't help me like India helped me the family likes that she is trustworthy and that they've known her for years and that she helped Ashna on the down low and they're like yeah. okay take Yash to India and Yash kind of has something to say about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like no I can't go to India she's done this this and this and they're like, how do you know that about India Dashwood? Like, we've never talked about her. And then Ashna, being someone who has had a secret relationship, is like, what are you hiding? How do you know this? And, yeah. and she gives him side eye, as she darn well should. Yeah. There's that. Clearly knows a lot about her. His family is insisting on a new bodyguard. This is very, like, powerful woman. Her name is Brandy Hennessy. And obviously, Yash has no choice, but she will be his new bodyguard. He tries to get her to commit to being like, like, promise you won't jump in front of a bullet for me. And she's like, that's my job. Yeah. So it's against his will and against his wishes, but it's good for his safety and protection. Well, they have this really funny exchange because she's terrifying. She's yeah. so buff and so like stone cold. And he's just like, "Have has anyone ever like shot at you? And she's like, yeah, people have like shot at me. No one's ever hit me. Yeah. No one's ever hit the people I'm protecting. That was pretty good stats. Yeah. Hi everyone! Are you under 30? Do you love Jane Austen? Do you love film? Do you live in North America? Our stats point to yes. You should enter the Jasna Southwest Young Filmmakers Contest. Create your own 5 minute or less short film inspired by Jane Austen. We have an amazing panel of judges including Amy Heckerling who directed Clueless. Oh my gosh, love that movie. Gurinder Chada who directed Bennett Like Beckham and Bride and Prejudice. Are you kidding me? Laura Rister, producer of Mr. Malcolm's List. Almost made it to set. Suzanne Elaine, who wrote Mr. Malcolm's List. Phenomenal guest. Sonali Dev, author of Incense and Sensibility and Recipe for Persuasion. One of the best authors out there. And Ty Burr, film critic at the Boston Globe. Love Boston. The deadline to enter is October 1st, 2021. You can get more details about the contest and prizes at jasnasw.com. Now, back to the episode. Now they're going to go off to see India, which in chapter six, India's surprise when Ashna's at her door, she's like, wasn't expecting any company, wasn't expecting Ashna. And behind Ashna is Yash, who she's even more surprised to see after 10 years. Mm -hmm. I love this line written in there is she'd forgotten the sheer force of his presence. Ooh. Just love the way that Sonali intros him from her perspective. Very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> sheer force of his presence we're like my goodness so she's like trying to understand what's going on obviously she's seen the headlines so she kind of puts together what might be happening but brandy needs to scope out the place she's very intense her job is to be intense so mm -hmm. she's good at her job and through india's sort of inner thoughts and and from her perspective we find out that her and yash actually 
only were together for one day, for one night. And she describes it as one magical night together. And then he ghosted her. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and so she never heard from him again. They had this amazing night together. And then it was just nothing. Now he's this big deal. He's at her door. He's in her place. And she's like, there's, what can I do for you, Yash? There's really like, there was no relationship to be like, oh, you broke up with me. So it's like, it's a weird in between yeah. place of yeah. like what there's nothing so we can't say what are we because I don't know yeah I guess it seems sort of out of his character because we know Yash is this very dedicated very loyal very good guy he doesn't yeah. screw around with people so he was 28 she was I'm guessing that age or a little younger yeah to have that one magical night and that like to be ghosted you know <laughs> not even like a this was fun, but I need to focus on my career. It's lame, but it's not nothing. Yeah. I feel like it feels out of character for Yash to give nothing. Because yeah. he's not that kind of guy. He always, it's like always 100%. And I'm guessing like they obviously had like a great night together. Maybe it couldn't work out then. Fine. Yeah. But to never speak to her again, knowing exactly where she is this whole time and yeah. knowing that if he wanted to, he could get her number or her anything from any one of his sisters. A little sketchy. And I'm a little anti-Yash right now. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. Like, I don't like these guys. Yeah. <laughs> the main clue that Ashna gets is that Yash asks to speak to India alone and she's like still looking at them like, Something's here, but I don't know yet. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. They kind of have some like small talk leading up to it, but we can just see their personalities where he's someone who's very logical. She's very spiritual. So they're just very different people in the way they approach things. But I do like that he isn't afraid to admit that he needs help and he wants to work through this. I do feel like he's also like, here's the issue. Let's fix it. She knows it's going to be a process. Also, I like the fact that he is willing to admit it at least versus Ashna who like took a whole book to admit she needed help. Yeah. She took all her emotions, put them right here and said one day, I'll die. Yeah. India's like, so why would you even have done the rally? Like you were, you just went through a traumatic event. Well, because that's my career. I have to, like I have these obligations. Like that's part of my job. The main line that sticks out is, I thought you didn't want to be a politician. I thought you wanted to be a public servant, which was something Yash said to her all those years ago that she remembered. So now they are fully acknowledging that night that they know each other and that there's history here so we have confirmation and it's interesting because this is definitely a recurring theme through Sonali's books like it it really takes me back to Ashna and Rico and he was like you loved soccer you hate to cook why are you a chef yeah and she's like well you hate soccer but you're good at it like why are you an international superstar yeah I think a lot of these characters and you know I think this is also like she does this because it's a common theme in Jane Austen books is like no one's really doing what they really want because they're putting their family first and they're putting their social obligations and their careers and everything like that first. Like, he does seem like the kind of guy who wants to be a public servant, but like his family was like, you can do that by being a politician. That's the way that you can help people. And then now we're 10 years later and he's he's so (laughs) close and yet so far from like being that guy. So it's like they almost have this moment where they like actually get to talk and acknowledge it. But then there's a very intense scene outside where Brandy has tackled China (laughs) because she like thinks she's breaking in. So China had like pulled Brandy down from like the side of the building or something. It was something like dramatic. The moment is broken up by figuring out what's going 
going on there. Everything's okay. China recovers. It's fine. What if Andy is Colonel Brandon? Brandy. Brandon. But like her tackling China, I'm like, hmm. (gasps) That's right. I like that. that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, it does. There's a moment where they need to figure out like, okay, so is Yash going to go forward with meeting with India and go through this type of therapy? But it's like they both don't want to impose on each other. They're like, India doesn't want to push him into something he doesn't want to do. And Yash doesn't want to make her feel obligated to do this. Yeah. So they kind of just land at a, well, I guess we'll never know. (laughs) I guess we'll never know. This dynamic, it's like a little Prince Harry and Meghan Markle-esque because Prince Harry is someone who I would even be prepared to make the argument that Yash is kind of like a prince. The Rajas are descendants of like one of the last Maharajas of India. So like Raja's like kind of like a prince, you know, he definitely has that upbringing and that breeding and she's kind of like a chill California girl who loves doing yoga. Yeah. He's the one who's like comes from this, like he was basically raised in a pressure cooker of royalty where there's all these expectations and all of these titles and all of this secrecy and no one wants to get help for their mental health. And he's Mm. the one who's like, actually, I do need help and is willing to like get that help. And she's there to help him. So everyone just like keep that in the back of your mind. No, it's a really good comparison. Yeah. I mean, I I think about Meghan Markle every day. So that I was gonna say, isn't her mom a yoga instructor? Yeah, her mom. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of crazy because like obviously this takes place in San Francisco, but like yeah. Megan Markle's like from LA. Yeah. She's like from here, and she makes yeah. Her mom's a yoga instructor. She's very much like from this world. I just think about how many interviews Prince Harry has given since sort of stepping away from royal duties, where he's like, my mother had severe mental health issues yeah. and she never got help, and I hated that. It's a, a sort of different situation, but it's nice that Yash is open to that and. He yeah. sees it, you know? I think that's a it's a great comparison because it is like we're royals. We don't have those issues. Yeah. Like we can't we have to be perfection essentially mm-hmm. and so for yash it's like you can't go through anything difficult because you're about to be governor like you need to appear perfect yeah. so he's trying to work through it but it's also like there's this conflict of his family not really wanting him to work through it yeah chutney the pug comes yes. in to save the day and is not a fan of people I, I loved this because we're like in the midst of like getting everyone's thoughts of what's going on and then sonali has actually written in like how chutney is feeling too <laughs> so it's like Chutney was also not a fan of people, given how they usually reacted to her. This person, however, seemed to not have received that memo. Did the man not have a sense of smell? So I love that she worked that in. I was like, we get Chutney's perspective. I love that. Chutney has a very... She has very important things to say. Yes. About everything. Exactly. So it basically kind of ends with Yash and India being like, all right, we'll do this arrangement. But I, I think they have very different expectations of it. Even though Yash is the one who acknowledges like, yes, I have an issue and I need help. I think he really thinks in a day or so, I'll be fine. I'll yeah. know. It. I'm a smart guy. I can solve my own problems. Yeah. She's just guiding me. And she's sort of the one with this experience. And she's like, I see what you've been through. I know a lot about you. And this is going to be a process. He wants the quick fix. Yeah. But she's like, that's not how I operate. So the big thing is like these two people whose worlds have not collided in so long are now back in each other's lives. And whether they like it or not, they probably will be working together. So we'll just see how their whatever relationship progresses from here. Very exciting place to stop and tune in next week where we will learn more about this journey. Thank you.